Hey, 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 welcome back, guys. Jonesy with Jonesy Podcast. Thanks for tuning in again to the podcast where we talk about finances, fitness, faith, our future, and our focus. Please excuse my voice today, guys. My voice is a little bit deeper because I have a little stuffy nose, so... But we're going to get on with the day because, you know, we don't let any obstacles stop us. We're going to continue and smash these goals. Today we have an awesome episode. I have a special guest, um, Marina. We're going to be talking about the youth and mental health. So thanks again for tuning in, guys. So welcome, Marina. Marina, thank you for coming in and let's having this conversation about mental health and the youth. What are your thoughts on mental health and the youth? Hi everyone, um, my name is Marina Klein and um, let's see, so I am a licensed mental health counselor and I have worked with um, a wide range, group, um, range of, um, of folks um, from children, adults to adolescents and I currently work mostly with college age uh, population. So um, what sort of I think as a black woman myself, what prompted me to show more interest towards mental health was something that is new, was new for me at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Given that I am an immigrant myself, I remember when I went to college and I started, when I took my first introduction to psychology class, um, the idea of um, health about the mind was something that was very fascinating to me. It wasn't something I've been so much introduced to before um a lot of times we talk about physical health but no one really pays attention to uh, mental health in a lot of um marginalized community so that kind of drew me in and i started um getting more interest when i started college i wanted to do nursing because I thought um, the physical body was much more, it's complex in its own way, but it was easier to understand. Very true. Like, for, like for instance, if you um, if you broke your arm or leg or whatever, you can go to the doctor, they can do an x-ray, and they can tell you what's going on and put a bandit on it. Yeah. For mental health, it just felt different. It just felt like, and even to this day, there's no test you can do per se that can show that you're depressed, you're anxious i mean there are symptoms there are signs that you can see but um it's very complex and i think the complexity of it um was what drew me into mental health so um yeah so that's kind of how i got my start um with um with mental health to begin with Mm -hmm. as a as a person of color very interesting and uh, me being an educator and being in the schools i do see a difference and more of an awareness of mental health, you know, uh, within the youth. And I think it's a very important thing that uh, we need to talk about because sometimes, like you had mentioned, you know, in some communities, I notice in our community, community of color, sometimes we don't even really talk about it. You know, I've learned that it's always been taught to pray about it and, you know, things go on. And sometimes prayer may not immediately help a person who's ready to just jump up and get help. But, you know, sometimes we need actual real help. You know, so I also saw I've been reading articles and it's been showing that um, children are just experiencing an increasing number of depression, uh, suicidal thoughts. I had watched this series on Netflix called The 13 Reasons Why. Did you see that? Yes. Yes. I remember. um, I think I saw it last year. And that um, that documentary is 
I must say, if anyone decides to watch it, any of your listeners decides to watch it, I haven't watched it. It's very triggering. Yes. Um, it can bring up a lot of stuff for you, but I think it paints um, a picture into sort of um, when you look at young people, when you look at um, people who are just learning about themselves, who they are. Um, the friends they're choosing and how society view them and just expectations from parents, like all those pressure and everything combined, mm-hmm. how, um, you know, how they can be influenced or, I mean, in the, in that particular documentary, it goes a lot into bullying yeah. and it's something that is very common in our schools right. um, that we see every day. Every now and then we hear in the media where someone takes their life because um, they were being bullied and these child- this kids don't usually know how to ask for help. The parents are not aware of some of those signs. Um, all of those things, when you put all of them together, it's definitely um, a bigger um, break in our system of right. how we support youth and how we support young people around mental health. Um, and I think for someone of color as well, when we think of um, mental health, what are the messages that we're getting from our family members? Right. You know, like you mentioned earlier, I remember growing up when I would feel depressed, sad. It's very easy for my parents, I mean, to say to me, you know, like, go in your room, pray it away. For right. People of color, you know, this is very common. It's sort of like... You can pray anything away. Right. Don't get me wrong. Your faith is important because it's also even... Very. We encourage people to have faith. It's good to believe in something. But there are some instances when you just can't pray everything away. Right. And um, how do you become aware of what's really going on that needs a professional help? when it goes past just trying to pray things away. Exactly. Um, black people, as usual, we like to tell you, pull yourself up by the bootstrap. You know, mm-hmm. like, you're not the only one who has been depressed before. But um, you know what I feel like sometimes that's because maybe our parents and the generations before, they never knew how to deal with it. Yes. You know, 2019, it's, it's I feel like it's such a breakthrough moment for everyone because it's talked about, it's okay to have a psychiatrist just because, you know, some people have a psychiatrist doesn't mean there's anything wrong with them. It's just how we're dealing with things. And even if things are all good, sometimes we just need to talk to people just to understand the world a little bit better, you know? Yes. Yes, definitely. And, um, it's one of those things that I think with the exposure to social media nowadays, it's been really, really fascinating. Um, to hear people come out in the open and say, hey, look here, I struggle with depression. I struggle with anxiety. Yeah. Um, I'm on medication. Like, for instance, there are people that have diabetes that have to take medication because their life depends on it. Right. It's no different for mental health. Some people struggle with just the depression alone or they feel so anxious and don't know what to do about those feelings. It's important for us as a community to say, it's okay, like, take right. the medication. It's not a sign of weakness. Right, right. You know, it's that you're struggling with something and you need help to get over whatever it is. You just your day-to-day functioning and making sure you can um, get up and move and be a part of society. And even at that, um, some people on medication, it's still a difficult task for them to just keep up with those day-to-day tasks. And I think... um, for younger people as well, like the idea of medication for a young person, it's even more challenging. Right. In my entire experience um, of working with both adults and children, I've come to realize younger people struggle the most 
um, to be consistent in terms of their, like if they're taking medication for anxiety or depression. Right. A lot of times it's just so much stigma. I see the um, same. Yeah. For a young person, it's sort of like, I don't want to be on medication. And they right. I'm not crazy. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, you know, they don't realize that the medication might be helping them in some situations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do, I do have this feeling that sometimes kids may be over-medicated, but at the same time, I do, you know, from my experience with dealing with the youth, I've seen the difference with children on medication and off medication. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, you know, in my mind, because I'm not crazy about medication, I'm trying to just find different ways to help this child um, overcome these challenges without right. medicating him because he doesn't want to be on the medication. He feels like, why do I have to take this medicine? My friends mm-hmm. don't have to take it, and I don't like the way it makes me feel. I had a student that, you know, he was on medication, and the doctors had to t- change the dose because he was sleeping all day in school. So, yeah, so these different yeah, things exactly. affect them, and they know that. So it's like, like you said, it's a stigma sometimes. I don't want to do this because this is not me, you right. know? And and. What I would encourage people, um, if you, and for adults and children, if the parents decided, okay, maybe we need to explore medication, uh-huh. is to have an honest conversation with your provider. Um, like everything else, medication is not something you can just take and stop at any given time because, you know, like, it's, it's, it's a medical condition that needs to be monitored. That's why you were put on the medication um, so have an open and honest conversation with your doctor. For instance, I tell people sometimes if you're having side effects, you're having reaction that you think might be related to the medication, call your doctor's office like right. that same day or the next day and say, look, I started this medication. This is how I'm feeling. Can I come in? What are my options? I believe the most um, successful when you think about medication, and I am not a doctor by any means, so I'm not speaking about particular medication, but I've also worked with um, patients who have, in- where I had to encourage them a lot to be their own self-advocate. Okay. Um, I tell people we have this great thing called the internet, even though I wouldn't recommend kind of using Wikipedia to Google search everything because <laughs> everyone is an expert out there. Yeah. But educate yourself about the different types of medication that are out there to treat depression, anxiety, and if you feel like this one medication is not working for you, discuss with your doctor and say, hey, what are my other options? If you feel like you've been over-medicated or you're asleep and you're not able to function, also have that discussion. Um, and as parents, to say to your child's provider, hey, look, I think this dose might be a bit too high. You know, And sometimes what happens with some of this medication also, because it's a matter of chemistry, right. your body needs time to adjust to it. Um, so maybe initially you may start feeling a certain way, but that doesn't mean some of these symptoms are going to last like weeks along the line. Okay. But talk to your doctor. Be able to have this conversation with your doctor and say, hey, look, I am concerned. What are my options here? Uh, but yeah, but I've seen people who have been on medication and it made such a significant difference in their lives. Right. So, um, medication may not be for everyone and we're not saying that you should go and get medication. Right, absolutely, right. Yes, there's all different types of solutions um, to mental health um, exactly. challenges. Exactly, but knowing that you have options, I think is the um, it's a key and it's a power all by itself to know that there are different things I can do to manage, you know, my depression or whatever else I'm going through. <clears throat> I think another um, something else that I noticed is that um, with the youth, a lot of not blaming anything on parents, but 
sometimes parents may not see what the teacher might see or what someone else, the social worker might see. Like, you know what I mean? Children sometimes are different at home than how they are in school. And they might start showing and displaying things that a teacher might notice that the parent may never even catch. So that's another thing that, you know, sometimes we battle. And as an educator, we don't want to come out and tell a parent, um, we think your child has a mental disorder, you know, because we're not licensed for that. But we do observe and we do different assessments to kind of, figure out where the child may be, where they need to go and help them out with the resources that we have. Like I said, we do have a social worker in my school that I work at and we do have a psychiatrist. Yeah. And, um, I noticed that the kids gravitate to them like mom and dad. It's like, uh, it's so cute because I see that they are, you know, they're getting help and it's a bigger issue now. It's not like how it was when I was in school. Like when I was in school, they had, you know, they, there was always mental health issues and depression and things going on. Mm -hmm. But I feel like kids, the generate younger generations don't know how to deal with the problems the way we dealt with it. You know, we dealt with our problems and we figured out solutions and we handled it differently where children I see, they may not even know the first step to know how to handle it, to even understand that there is a problem. You know, sometimes kids may be just going along in life and thinking that this is just the way things are supposed to be when they don't need to feel sad every day. They don't need to be depressed every day, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's different things. I um, recommend a lot to my students music. I know when I was in high school, anytime that I felt like I was going through something, music really helped me. And a lot of the kids, they always have their headphones on. So I'm always recommending different songs and different kinds of genres of music. And they're like, miss, why are you so weird? I'm like, listen, don't worry about my weirdness. Just listen to the song and then come back to me. One time a student came back and she was like, miss, this is my favorite song. So I know that, you know, there's other solutions and different ways that we can help the youth and help the kids with these mental um, illness challenges and just being depressed in general. Like, you know, it may not be so dramatic as calling it a mental illness. It just may be a little depression that they're going through because we're all human, you know? And, and I mean, and even in the mental health field, there are times when our mood goes up and down, depending on what's happening, depending on transition. Right. What if it's parents getting divorced? Like, are you making sure you are putting things in place to support that child? I must say, it sounds as if you guys have a really good resource in your school. Not all schools across America have social workers. Right. Personally, I think an t- entire topic about mental health should be included in the school curriculum. Right. We have to first learn how to teach young people how to recognize what they're feeling. Mm-hmm. Be able to put a name to it because it makes such a, a big difference. I mean, this year, last year I became a mother myself. And, um, and your little my, girl's so beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> She's almost 10 months now. And we're starting to, like, for instance, if she gets frustrated, we're starting to see certain... Um, you know, like things that she doesn't know how to express. Right. There are emotions that are there. We'll see anger um, because we always compliment her when we see joy, right? Right. Very common in our society. Oh, you're such a happy baby. You're so smiley. But a lot of times we do not teach our kids how to recognize anger and rage and all these different negative emotions. Mm-hmm. The reality is those emotions are just as important as the ones we positively want to reinforce. Right. It's like, we're like, okay, now we're in this place where we'll call her. Okay, honey, you're feeling upset right Right. now. That's okay. Like, this is anger. Let's teach kids how to name those emotions. And um, for someone like yourself who's an educator, you're correct. A lot of times what happened with children, they may display certain behaviors in the school setting Mm -hmm. that parents would never see at home. 
because there are a lot of constraint there. They don't want to be a bad child. Right. Um, they want to please the parents. But when they get out of the home, they let loose. Um, and then that's when someone like yourself, who's an educator, starts to see some of these behaviors. My best encouragement that I'll say sometimes is to tell, you know, ask the parents, like, has there been any changes? Is something going on at home? Um, like, for instance, if you have a social worker, maybe let a social worker handle that aspect of talking to um, the parents, like, right, right. Maybe they may know how to phrase it. Definitely. From a, you know, I don't even touch that field. I'm like, listen, <laughs> we don't want to get into that gray area. We yeah. have my friend is yes, we can get you to that person. <laughs> yeah, and I think parents are also, <clears throat> excuse me, parents sometimes are so scared about this idea that oh, I don't want to put a label on my child right. or anyone. Like everyone wants their kids to be quote unquote normal, like they're. You know, they don't want their child to be that one that stand out. The reality is no one is quote-unquote normal. Right. We all have our little struggles right. um, in different aspects, in different areas of our lives. So, but the sooner you can recognize something in a child and put resources and support in place, I say to parents, the best outcome you can get is when you work with the people that spend the most time with your child. Yep. Teachers, educators, to mentors, like whoever your kid spends the most time with. Right. If they're giving you feedback, be open to mm -hmm. that. Um, I know New York has a lot of resources. The state that I'm in in North Carolina, resources are not so great. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot of times, you know, like for instance, some school have psychologists where if you as a parent, you do see sometimes, you can say to a school psychologist, can my child be tested? Right. You know, even working with an IEP plan, what plan do we need to put in place to meet my child's need? There's nothing wrong with someone needing help. Exactly. Because if you don't, if you don't catch it now, what happens is that that kid kind of goes on um, untreated, whatever, if they're struggling with ADHD or depression, then you start to see some of the bigger and bigger and bigger problem. Exactly. And I think, and I think a lot of those problems, like for instance, um, you know, black and brown children are more suspended in schools than any other um, race. So yes. you look at that statistics alone, you're asking yourself, um, compared to if it's a white or Caucasian or a parent that has more money or they're in a better social economic status, right. they might be able to recognize those symptoms sooner and get help for their children. So sometimes when we look at those statistics where it talks about our black kids are being punished more in school, those kids are kids a lot of times that need help. Right. Like they need someone to reach out to them because they're going through stuff. And now we're seeing some of this anger, some of these negative emotions in the school setting, and it's becoming very disruptive to the classroom. So, um, so yeah, so I think parents could, um, could work with, with educators, could work with their teachers, could work with whoever the, you know their kids have access to to kind of get the help that that child needs because at the end of the day you want your child to be um successful in whatever area and it starts with with whatever you know thing you can it's manage the source. right yeah and I think that that whole system is very important. You know, in the community, you have to have the parents, the educators, administrators. You have to have everybody, mentors on the same team. And when you have a community helping, that's when the kid is successful. When the six kid sees that there's no one helping him and, you know, they're, they're children. They don't know what's going on. Right. So they're just moving along in their own emotions, in their own lives, not knowing what's going on, not knowing that, okay, 
it's okay for me to feel this way because mm-hmm. this is just part of being human. Right. This is part of growing up. And especially with de- dealing with adolescents, when they go through all these hormone changes with middle school, I was in a middle school at one point and comparing a middle school to um, high school is a big difference. Yeah. You know, at first I was looking at it and I'm looking at it like, you know, it's not going to be that much different me going from middle school to high school, but it is a big difference. The kids in middle school, um, you know, they're going through all these changes and at the same time they have all this energy. So all the energy and the hormones, it all clashes and it's just like a big party (laughs) that they don't know how to handle. I mean, yeah, their brain, I mean, I work in a college setting and we see a lot of um, older children, now adults, who expect to know better. And sometimes we have to remind ourselves, like, even when you go to college, your brain, your prefrontal cortex is not even completely developed yet. Like, right. Let's, let's stop for a minute and right. think about that. You know, and I think sometimes we have all these expectations. Um, something you mentioned earlier that I want to come back to, like, the way you said, like, yes, when I was in college, the way mental health was dealt with was completely different than it is now. Mm-hmm. Now it's easy for... Um, kids or even young adults to turn to social media, for instance, for support. Um, whereas back in our days, we actually had conversation with other people. We had a community You're right. a support system. Now it's a totally different, it's a totally different lifestyle that we're living now. It is. Um, so you may have 2000 friends on Facebook, but you really don't even have up to five people you can call and be on the phone with and tell right. them how bad or terrible your day was um so those elements have been removed and we're constantly even though social media feels as if we're more connected we really more disconnected right there is so many disconnects and i think that of itself feeds a lot into um into into sort of all this increase in mental health and isolation and i mean i was reading an article where for instance, Facebook is trying to build um, build um, a software into their system where they can be able to recognize, like, for instance, if someone expressed suicidal ideation oh, on their wow. platform, where they can actually call the police and send the police to check on that person. Wow. You know, because it's, you know, it's become that serious. It is that serious. Where younger people, especially younger people, are turning to social media to kind of get support and you may be asked, trying to talk to someone that is, you know, a thousand mile away from you that doesn't know anything about you or what's going on. Right. And young people think that's support. So right. that of itself, I think it's a big shift in terms of um, development that we're seeing now. So. Absolutely. There's definitely a shift. And um, it's nice to just have the conversation because it brings us back to the basics you know, like you said, we need to talk about it. When we were growing up, we had, I remember having different counselors, even drug counselors that used to come into my school and talk about drugs. Even though these yeah. things may have felt uncomfortable, um, I think those things helped us as a generation yeah. and, um, you know, with kids that I went to school with because I see that a lot of the youth now, sometimes they don't have it. They don't have that type of resource. They may yeah. not have the resources until they get older to go and find the resources, you know. Like you said, right. in some schools in some states, in North Carolina, I have a friend that's in Virginia, and she says that she's struggling with her son with uh, the schools. Mm. And, you know, this needs to be aware awareness brought about all over because yeah. this also leads into all of the situations where we have these school shootings, the school threats. 
you know, there was a threat in my school recently and it was just like, you know, the kid was being bullied. That's what, that's what it has been said. And in my mind, I'm just like, I just walk in the hallways and I just look for those kids that might seem like they might be too quiet. And I just want to ask them, you know, how's your day? What are you doing? What do you like? You know what I mean? Just to spark a conversation it with a them. It does. Just the idea to know that someone cares. Right. And someone took the time to ask, how are you doing? Right. Like, really, how are you? And have a conversation. Right. It you makes know? a it big makes difference. A big, it makes a big difference. And I think, um, I think those stuff should be encouraged more. And also, I remember, well, like, when I was in school also, well, I went to school in, um, in Africa, and I remember we had almost like a, like a buddy system where if you are in, um, if you are like in middle school, you're buddied up with someone who is in high school. Nice. Who's like a mentor for you that knows the school and have been there longer that would check on you. I mean, I didn't think much about, about those, you know, kind of um, social kind of um, connection back then. But now that I thought about it, I was like, that had a purpose. Like, right. If I'm having a tough day at school, I will go find whoever my mentor is and I'll be like, do you have a minute? Let's talk. Like wow. math class, this person did this. I wasn't happy about it. And you know, this person was able to calm me down to just say, okay, what can we do better? Do I wow. need to reach out to that person? Like conflict building skills. Okay. Maybe you should not have acted this way. I'll do, you know, like, let's talk about what we need to put in place. So that way your next class can go better. Your interaction with that other person that you're struggling with could go better. I think also a lot of it is about giving kids tools that they can use because those things transfer on into adulthood. Yes. Um, and last one forever is not just about dealing with middle school or high school. Right. You know, like These are life skills. skills. Yeah. Definitely life so. skills. I try to instill that all the time. So, yeah, these are all definitely some good points that, you know, we've been mentioning. Like, I think it's important that we start talking about it more. I think it's important. I like that buddy system that you mentioned because when I was in in um, middle school, I also had like a pen pal type of system with the yes. same grade. But what I'm trying to incorporate is because I have ENL students, so they're language learners, English language learners. Right. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to find them a buddy that is an English speaker, an English language speaker, first language right. English. And I'm going to try to find the um, a buddy that's kind of close in a different a different town but close by because a lot of my students they don't hang out with each other after school or outside of school or anything i mean i understand yeah things there's danger out there there's always been danger right. but there's also youth that you have to enjoy you know my students just go to work and they just stay home and i'm like you guys don't go to the movies you guys don't go to the mall like what's going yeah. on it's yeah. so different but yeah this buddy system i definitely i like that you mentioned that because that's something that i've been trying to um I'm trying to incorporate that and figure out a way how to communicate with another school and get my students talking more. In my um, in my current job, um, my in my employment, I I currently work at a university setting, and um, we work a lot with um, international students, for instance, and um, they have they have different programs where like we have group group therapy for instance or kind of not so much therapy but more of a social group where we encourage um it's set up for international students but we also encourage other um 
folks to come in, like an American student to come in and just be a part of the group because what we what a lot of what that group is about is to talk about stigma, is to talk about adjusting to life in the United States. Right. And as an immigrant myself, it's very easy for um, for us when we come from another place to kind of just exist within our own little group of people because right. it's more about familiarity. It's more about the culture is who we know it's safety mm-hmm. and there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel safe, but also, um, the more you can expand yourself. I also, so when I talk to students, sometimes I like to tell them, like, think of connection as, um, as an octopus, right? An octopus has a lot of tentacles because it needs to, it uses it for signal. It needs to connect the more support system that you have, the more connected you are. Right. It helps for you as a person to feel whole as a, as a, as as a whole being in particular. So when I talk to some of the internationals, I tell them, don't just um, hang out with the same kids that come from your country. Explore. Make a friend with an American. We also encourage American students make friends with international students. For instance, like sometimes when we have um, holidays at the school or in the nation let me say for example like it's super bowl today right right so we would encourage international student instead of you not doing anything to find an american person connect with them right. go eat nachos and <laughs> I don't know, whatever some else, wings you know, whatever else gets served during super bowl like me right. wings because this is an american lifestyle like be a part of it right and we also encourage um american student if a student from, let's say, for example, from India, and it's Diwali or whatever they celebrate, try to be a part of their celebration because it also helps them to feel like, yes, you know, these people are trying, and I am trying to get to know these folks as well. So I think the idea of doing that with your student, that would be awesome, and I feel like um, people will be more open to it. Mm-hmm. We have, um, at our school, we have what we refer to as breaking bread. So... <laughs> Yeah, so basically, if you're from an international student, if you're an international student, and sometimes um, we encourage locals, like someone in the area that I live in that is a local, where they can be connected with an international student if it's um, Thanksgiving, for instance, mm. that international student can come to their house and spend time wow. with them and share meal. You know, so like just those setting because. When you think about depression and anxiety, when we're going through a transition, and this is not only for people that are international, for everyone right. in general, um, a lot of those symptoms, they can um, they can creep in when you feel like you're isolated, when you feel like you don't have support system, when you feel like basically the more barriers that you have, the more layers, the more things that you're going through, the very likely that those symptoms are going to show up for you. Um, so, and... And sometimes I've talked to other people too that are from other side of the world where they're like, oh, this is what you call depression. I've always felt this right. was like a light bulb moment that comes on for them. It's like, I don't know what this was called, but I've felt this way. Like I get panicky or I get anxious, but I don't know there was a name for it. Like I shake when I'm trying to take my exam, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So it's just sort of having those open conversation and knowing that, um, by you talking to other people that understand some of the things that you may not be, um, you know, you may not have been exposed to also help your knowledge. And it's a way also for you to gain as much support that, um, that you can. Right. And it's the first steps of dealing with the issue. 
Because I feel like once you acknowledge that, you know, there might be some depression there, you know, you start to turn the other leaf because mm-hmm. once you realize, you know, nobody wants to technically be depressed, but sometimes we just fall into that. So then when people realize that they're in that state of depression, they either one stay in that mode or they try to go back and reverse out of that mode. So I think that acknowledging it is definitely one thing. Um, you know, just feeling sad and just acknowledging why you're feeling sad. Sometimes we could just be depressed and sad about something that is so minor, but it Mm -hmm. would take control and just be so major. But you know, you have to, sometimes I have to think myself, you know, if I have no control over it and if it's not destroying my life or anyone's life that I love, then I have to just let that go. Mm. It makes me feel so much better sometimes because, you know, sometimes you'll just, I'll just be driving in the car and I'll just start feeling anxiety. My heart will start beating. And I'm just like, why, why am I feeling like this? I must've thought of something that triggered all of these feelings. So Mm -hmm. being mindful of these things is another thing because sometimes we don't even realize we don't notice. It just creeps up. Like you said, And it's, it's, it's sort of, it's the beauty about, um, seeking professional help because, um, so for instance, if I have a headache or migraine or something, it's easy for me to just do Google search and figure out, okay, what might be going on? You know, I refer to Google as Dr. Google. Right. What, you know, what, what diagnosis do I want to give myself today? You know, if I have the, some type of symptoms, I will find it and I'll give it to myself. Right. Um, It's like diagnosing yourself all the time. Exactly. And the beauty about talking to someone, talking to a professional, it's sort of this idea. It helps you to learn, not only learn skills, because, (coughs) excuse me. It's okay. When we think about coping, let me get some water. Yeah, girl, we've been chatting over here. (laughs) We have a nice conversation going on. (laughs) When we think about coping skills, coping skills are like, muscles right right what happens is that <coughs> oh i'm sorry when we don't use um when we don't use our muscles they get weaker right it's the same thing for the skills that we're learning how to deal with depression how to deal with anxiety but what happens when you're seeking professional help <coughs> oh excuse me all right so it becomes a professional's um job to help you to continue to work out those muscles, to continue to explore, to teach you how to name emotions, how to name right. feelings. Like for instance, as you said, like you could be driving and you start feeling anxious. Sometimes you don't even know. There are so many things that we come across on a day-to-day basis that can trigger us. Whether if it's people, sometimes it could even be color that we have associated to something. And when you think about kids, it's that same way. Right. Kids are no different from adults. Right. And when you think about depression and anxiety in kids, it doesn't even, <coughs> it doesn't look the same as it does for, um, for adults. With kids, a lot of times you see the lashing out, um, you see the disturbance in the classroom, you see all of those things, and it's easy for us to just label them as, oh, you're just a terrible kid. Right. Like you don't, you know, you don't comply to anything. Right. That kid is struggling. And a lot of times for children, they don't have the emotional intelligence. They don't have the names. They don't have the skills. They right. don't have the things that adults may know. And some adults even don't know how to recognize 
depression or anxiety in themselves. They just know that the way they're feeling doesn't feel right, you know, or what's making them feel this way. They just don't even know. And it's easier to express anger. So that's why, like you said, the kids start lashing out and they start acting out. That's why it's always easier to tell in a child's behavior if there's something going on, especially if something changes and a child's behavior just drastically changes. You know, there's something that may have been a result, a cause for this. So it's just certain things that we have to pay attention to. Yeah, and with with um with kids, there's so much like you had mentioned earlier. There's so much development that's going on. I mean, you can, it's it's on it's 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 on a spectrum. Right. When you're that age, you're not only learning about yourself. Who do you want to be? Um, what do you want to do? There's peer pressure. Your brain is constantly developing, and I think it's also critical that. We as adults that work with kids or have kids or have exposure to kids to be able to, if we recognize some of those things that they're failing that they don't have the name for, to help them name it. Right. Like, you know, I notice you're this way. Is it is it safe for us to say you're feeling angry, that this is anger? Um, and the kid might look at you like, what are you talking about? No. Right. I'm not angry. And then you're like, well, when you, when this happened, this is how you reacted. Right. It's okay for you to feel angry. It may not, it's never okay for you to lash out at other people and kind of display your anger in so many ways. What are those coping skills? If you're angry, maybe go to the gym, do five laps around the gym. Um, you know, write journal. Like I'm a, I tell, I tell even the older, um, you know, young adults, like all the kids that I work with, yeah. journal, write your emotions, write about things. Because there's a beauty in writing that when you have so many emotions going on, you put them on paper, you are creating a space in your mind, in your head for new things, right. for new for positive thoughts. Um, so it's okay for you to journal some of those negative emotions, those things that you're struggling with at that right. moment. So um, just giving those little tips and those little skills could be life-changing, could be um, something that changes a child's life for the good. Because then if no one ever helps them to recognize those emotions, to name those emotions, then those emotions become messy. They go and spread in and spill in into everything else that they touch because no one really took the time to say, hey, this is anger. Right. And anger is part of our emotions. That's completely okay. Right. Now let's figure out how do we deal with anger mm-hmm. when we're angry. Mm-hmm. So. And how to deal with sadness when we're sad. Yes. Because that's yep. another big thing that I notice. And um, music is another uh, thing that I've noticed that has influenced the youth like tremendously. Mm-hmm. Tremendously. I know this. I don't know if you're if you're aware of the rapper, the XX Tentacion guy. Is that the one that got killed? Yeah, yeah. Yes, um, I heard. Oh my goodness! Before I've he had listened to his song, I should confess, but I remember it was like a big. Um, there were reports everywhere. About yes, him. it was a big deal, um, especially within the youth. He impacted the youth so much. I had no idea. A lot of kids listened to him. And, you know, I started asking my students, you know, after he had passed away, I asked them, you know, why do so many kids listen? Because I don't really listen to him either. I heard one song and I didn't really like the message of the song, so I didn't really listen to him much. But they said that 
he helped a lot of people deal with depression and suicidal thoughts that because he was dealing with it, he would talk about it in his music and he would talk about, we don't have to feel that way. You know, that's kind of like his avenue and where he was going. So Mm -hmm. for him to actually be killed, it was heartbreaking for a lot of kids because he was like a hero to them. So, you know, that in some ways music is helpful and in a lot of ways, you know, music is kind of like a cloud. It puts a lot of the kids in the mind of the cloud because they don't know what's going on and they listen to the music and they think that that's real life. I feel like because, you know, older generations have better coping skills with dealing with things, we were able to deal with music differently than how kids deal with music now. Now they take it in. These people are their heroes. This is how life is going to be. But we never really took music the way, you know, that way. We took it differently. Yeah, and also just understanding that (coughs) all different types of um, music or depending on the emotions that you're going through for that day could also, it's almost like a playlist. Like your emotion can become a playlist. Right. And part of your coping skills could also be that, okay, I like listening to this music when I'm sad because then I can transition from sad to being happy. Right. You know, whether if it's a music that makes you get up and want to dance or sometimes I'm going through. And also one thing I want to say about sadness, um, I think a lot of times too, when in the connection also to music and even myself as an adult, sometimes I struggle with my own emotions where sadness comes up and all I want to do is listen to sad music because I want to feed my Yeah, sadness. why? Why do we do that? Like, we're sad and we'll go listen it's, to old Mary J. Blige. It's almost like that self-pity. <laughs> it comes in, it kicks in, and you just want to stay in that funk. Yeah. You know? But the goal is that if you're going to do that, I, I'm a big fan of like everything has to have a time, right? Yeah. It's like, okay, if I'm going to do two hours of this sad music, because I want to acknowledge my sadness, I just don't want to say, okay, now I feel sad. Let me just transition into a happy music and forget. Because there has to be a reason why I feel sad. Right. Part of that emotion is it came on for a reason. So if I'm going to give myself some time to listen to some sad, whatever melody, I will give myself that time and acknowledge it but to be able to move on to transition from that. Right. Um, and also, uh, so for some people, it may be that you have a playlist where you're sad, you can listen to happy music, or when you feel anxious, you can listen to um, meditation music or some type of like instrumental music that can help you calm down um, and just practice some type of mindfulness for you to be present to help move you away from that, um, from that anxiety state of mind. But whatever you choose to do is to acknowledge that you're feeling sad. And along the line of suicide, for instance, um, suicide is a very taboo topic. And and I'm just going to talk about it since, you know, you kind of dive into that from um, the rapper that you were talking mm-hmm. about earlier on as well. Um, so, I mean, so a lot of times people feel like if someone tells me that I'm having thoughts of suicide, um, if I talk about the suicide with them they are going to kill themselves. Right. That is not true. If someone already has That's the what people say. Head, if, if the thoughts is already there, you cannot, you know, there's nothing you can... Yeah, there are things you can say that could make them not want to tell you more. The goal becomes to have an open-ended question. You don't put words into their mouth. You ask them open-ended question where they can be able to talk more and openly. Because sometimes when people have thoughts of suicide, 
it's a very isolating feeling they're in this place where they feel like if they talk about it no one will get them no one will understand and the suicide rates um in the u.s has been going up and mm -hmm. up um a lot of people are also for instance like men use more lethal force men and they're more successful a man would take a gun and shoot themselves versus girls or women tend to use more um other sauce whether if it's like pills for instance to try to attempt suicide right. so having those conversation with the person to say hey um i'm and it's okay for you to even say to the person i don't know how to help you right now but can i help find you a professional um here's a suicide hotline can you call this number can i come back and check on you um if it's a student um that you're working with or a student another student is talking to that particular student and they know that person is having thoughts of suicide is it okay for me to tell the teacher is it okay for me, for you to even talk to your parents and let them know you're having these thoughts of suicide? Right. Um, a lot of people walk the street every day that, that are going about their day-to-day -day life that want to kill themselves. It's, it's an emotion. It's an emotional, um, it's an emotional, basically, burden for them to be carrying all the time. And sometimes all those people want to hear someone to tell them that, you are going to be it's going okay. to be okay right that's no, all we're going to get you help mm -hmm. but it's such a taboo topic that sometimes everyone just shies away from it um because you feel like if you talk about it you're going to plant some type of seed into that person's mind that would make them want to kill themselves the studies have shown over and over again that's not the case a lot of times the more people openly talk about it it's like, oh, okay, someone now knows. Right. Like someone understands I can breathe. Someone knows I'm not in this feeling all by myself mm -hmm. alone. And sometimes that's all people need, mm -hmm. you know. So especially when we're seeing more and more young people, there was recently um, a kid, I don't even remember the age, but it was very young that they, and I remember seeing it on social media, that they um, hung themselves. It was frightening when I think of the age, I can Whichever age it was, the kid was less than 15. I saw something. It was a girl that was nine years old. That may be the one. Yeah, she I, was nine. Head, when I was nine, you know, just the idea of hanging yourself at that age. It's crazy. It, right. I, like, I can't wrap my head around it, but that's the reality that we're living in. And it's sad. So in a way, we have to start having conversation. It's okay for us to even um, ask someone, are you having thoughts of suicide? The one question we don't want to ask someone, you're not suicidal, are you? You know, you right. don't want to kind of already, that's an open-ended question because, you don't, you know, um, that's a closed question because then you're telling them that, please don't tell me you're having thoughts of suicide. Right. Because right. a lot of times we freak out, we're like, okay, what do I do with this information? You know, but asking the person, hey, are you thinking about killing yourself? You know, if the person says yes, okay, Let's get you help. What can we do? Mm -hmm. You know, can you promise to, to, to keep yourself safe until we're able to call a therapist mm -hmm. or talk to your parents or talk to someone, you know, like call a suicide hotline. And so, just like you said, it's like we like, you know, from that perspective is like friends helping friends. Whereas exactly. within kids, I, you know, I don't see it as much, but I think it is important that, you know, this conversation is brought up within the youth because they need to understand that they are each other's, they have each other's back. They have to, you yeah. know, they are their own generation and, um, and the kids usually know more about each other than parents right, sometimes right, do. Right. Yeah. So yeah, kids, kids, kids talk to 
they talk to each other and sometimes parents are always in um sort of in the unknown for a lot of these issues a lot of parents will tell you that oh i never knew that and this is not to place blame on parents you know because you know like parents are not especially if you as a parent you're not a mental health professional you may not know those signs to look out for so and parents now i feel like you know even moms are more are working more parents you know parents might have two jobs each parent so there's not that much time that they have at home with their children to kind of figure things out you know sometimes mom comes home from work all she has to do is homework with the kids and then do dinner and then they're going to bed whereas they may not have that little bit of time to kind of see how the day was with the kid how you know how did they have any problems how did they handle these problems was everything all good you know there's communication that is lost sometimes yeah. now yeah. where we used to have it more. Right. Yeah. You, you're, you're absolutely right. And sometimes it's just, just as I, you said, like you see kids in the hallway, you check in with them. I think even us as parents, um, I think a lot of times most parents is sort of this idea that I have a job. I have to provide for my family, for my child. The reality is, yes, don't get me wrong, it is so important for you to keep a roof over your family's head, for you to feed your family, but also your kid could be struggling with something that could end up taking their life, and then all that work and everything else really would not matter at the end of the day. So it could be as easy thing, um, you know, and... Every family can... Every family is set up differently, Mm -hmm. but an easy conversation could be maybe... Once, you know, once a day, let's share at least one meal. Lunch is impossible because parents are at work. What if it's breakfast? Everyone is rushing in the morning, taking time to say, hey, say one positive thing about yourself today. What is your goal for today? Or maybe at bedtime when everyone gets home, how was your day? Did anything happen? Were you struggling with anything? Is there anything I can do to help? It's just those easy. Always leave the door open. Let your kids know that the door is always open that they can come in and check in. Um, and also, it's also okay for us to talk to our kids about our day. Yeah. You know, like, everything, but we like, work was tough today. You know, um, there was a lot going on. I was a bit frustrated at work because a lot of these emotions, as we talk about them also, we have to learn to normalize them within ourselves. Absolutely. To be vulnerable to our kids to say, hey, like, Mommy feel anxious today, right. you know, because of what was going on. Or mommy didn't feel so great. I was a bit sad because of, you don't have to go into full details, depending right. on the child's level of understanding and age. But we t- if we have to teach them how to handle their emotions, we also have to model right. the emotions for them that we are feeling and acknowledging them that, yeah, this is what I'm feeling right now. I don't like the way I'm feeling, but, you know, I will be okay. Right. You don't want to tell the kids too much that they're concerned about you. But you want them to understand that we we do all feel angry sometimes. We do feel sad. And it's not, mommy may be a superhero to you, but sometimes mommy is sad sometimes too, you know? Yes, definitely. And it may, yeah, it may just be as easy as establishing that form of communication. And I think especially for, (coughs) for people of color, we, you know, it's sort of like our parents are sort of these gods that, you know, it goes both ways, like, Black kids are not encouraged to have this open dialogue with their parents. Yeah. You, know, you don't ask questions. No, no, no. It's like, I provide, you know, and there's usually this term, you do what I say. Not as I do. You know? 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so there's no there's no two way, but we also have to change that a bit. We right. Have, have a different approach because also the generation has changed. Like mm-hmm. the way we were raised is not the same way these kids are growing up now with social media and kids reaching out online for help, but it can turn around and come to their parents and ask for help. That's very scary. Right, right. We have to change the way we talk about certain things with our kids, the way we handle certain things with our kids, because times are changing. So I think um, just this idea of um, always leave the door open mm-hmm. for your kids to come in. And it's okay for you to say to your child, look, I may not agree, but I'm okay if we need to get you a professional help for someone. If I don't understand what you're going through as my kid, I'm fine with that. And I hope you will be okay with that as well. But we can get you a professional that may be able to understand um, more of what you're going through. Right. So that And that's part of just you being vulnerable with your child as well. To say, hey, mommy, mommy may be a superhero. Daddy may be a superhero. But daddy doesn't know everything. So right. let's get you someone that, you know, that can help you deal with the stuff that you're going through. Right. And I think that all of that is important. Again, I want to thank you, Marina, for this nice conversation. I think it's so important that we have this, especially the beginning of the year. You know, yes. it's, it's the middle of the school year for me, but it's the beginning of the year for a lot of us. And, you know, we want to make sure that we're on task with things and that we're aware of things, that we're mindful of these things. Because mm-hmm. in the wintertime, I know, depending on where you are in the world and where you are in the U.S., you know, in the wintertime in New York, we just stay inside. And, yes. you know, we're, we're hermits and we don't come out. And I feel like sometimes I notice there's more depression, depression. and sadness yes. going on in the winter. So it's good that we have this conversation because, listen, we need to get out and we need to be happy all the time. Not, I can't say 100% because we're normal, we're human. <laughs> but at the same time, we want to be mindful of it, you know? Yes, yes, you're completely right. I mean, wintertime, I mean, there's an entire disorder named after winter, seasonal affective disorder, where most people just get depressed in the winter. That's an actual thing, you know, because in the summertime, there's so much more to do. So instead of also being aware what time and where in the world you are, you are living in and how the weather can affect you and what you can do to put things in place to help you manage um, those you know, feelings and emotions that come up for you. Um, it's also very important. So, you know, I think, yeah, we have to keep having this conversation as people of color, um, black, brown, you know, I mean, white people, I think they have been having this conversation forever. Right. And um, it's so, it's so different, you know, it's different on like just as a black person and also as an immigrant person, just to watch the dynamic on how this conversation is being, um, played or how we teach kids to own up to their emotions, to name emotions is so important. So I think we have to do our best. We can pray everything away. It's important to have faith, but we have to, we have to do the work. We have to definitely do the work to get us to where we need to be. Cause I think also when you think of the black, um, the black body in America, there's so much trauma. There is so much trauma in the black experience right. alone. Right. So I think for that, reason i heard someone says honestly every black person in america should have a lifetime of therapy i hope be in support of that mm-hmm. <laughs> because mm-hmm. you know the system it's a it's generational system. yes yes so i completely i'm in agreement to that so and sometimes going and th- going to the therapy you may feel like you don't have anything to say and that's okay it's a start you can just start by talking about how your day was right. today, what frustrated you 
And that's how it slowly builds. You can start unwinding so many things. So look for resources. Um, you know, whether if it's psychology today, where you can able to put in your zip code and look for your insurance and find a provider. Um, one of my favorite um, resources that I always refer people to, Therapy for Black Girls. It's an um, oh, yes. online base, yeah, where you can find a therapy of um, a therapist of color that you may want to see. Um, in your area, that's one. The National Suicide Hotline is also available for people to research and just talk to. Um, they also have like suicide texts because um, I know this day and age, kids don't know how to talk on the phone. Yeah. Even every now and then, me as an adult, if my phone rings, I was like, oh, who's calling me? My phone is not supposed to ring. <laughs> We're all texting. So just find resources that they're kind of, and they're trying to create more resources that speaks to the time and the age in which we're living in. So Let's use those resources. There's yeah. nothing wrong with us asking for help when it's needed. Absolutely. So. But thanks again. No problem. I'm glad we were able to do this. Yes, yes. It's been great. Awesome. Thank you so much, Erica, for having me. Okay. All right. Again, guys, thanks for tuning in. Jones with Jonesy podcast, where we talk about fitness, finance, faith, our future, and our focus, and all in between. So again, don't forget to subscribe, write a comment, let me know how you feel. If you have any comments about our topic today where we talked about mental health and our youth, um, please comment, give me your insights. Maybe we could have a part two to this because I feel like this is definitely an important conversation that not only needs to be held within the youth, but within adults too. Because remember, our youth, they need us. They need the adults. They need our support. So again, thanks for tuning in, guys. Have a great, awesome day.